Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. And all donations in September will be going to the SPCA in the memory of my best pal Boris, who sadly passed away earlier this month. Okay, on with the show. Heading into Game 7, Canada was revitalized as the team had easily won the last game with a flurry of three goals in the space of 90 seconds. While Ken Dryden had stood on his head to push back against the Soviet onslaught, he would be replaced with Tony Esposito in net for Game 7. For the Soviets, Valery Karlamov was out after a slash from Bobby Clark. And there were new referees, replacing the two referees who seemed to have it out for Canada with the number of power plays they gave the Soviets. The first period saw a flurry of goals as Phil Esposito scored twice and the Soviets answered with two goals of their own to end the period 2-2. The second period would be scoreless as both sides tried to take the lead in the pivotal game. In the third period, Rod Gilbert scored to put Canada ahead, only for the Soviets to answer and tie the game once again. Park coming up on the right side, cleared it over on the far wing to Henderson, to Esposito, a shot went wide, and the puck goes into the corner. They're trying to get into position there. Henderson into Ellis in the corner. A pass right in front of Esposito. Scores! Esposito on Ellis. And there's Canada drawing first blood. Esposito from Ellis. Canada was about to make a change. The play goes right on. Yakutkin coming down flat. Here's a But center with Petrov. He gets that puck right in that goal right here. He gets the score. Went right in to score. Drawing the goalkeeper out. And it was a beautiful goal by Petrov. It's back to Savard. He fakes a shot, turns. There's going to be a penalty call here. Esposito shoots. He scores. Esposito fires that puck and it's all tied up again. Esposito let one go from about 30 feet out. Drives it into the Soviet zone. Dennis Hall tears in after it. And it's grabbed off by Gilbert right in front of the net. He passed instead of shooting. And Rattel couldn't get it. Now Gilbert again. Gilbert came up to the side. And scored for Canada. Gilbert got that puck off the board. Came right around his spot and was in the net. Lachenko over to Maltsev in the corner. Maltsev trying to center it back to Lachenko. Takes the shot here. Liapkin getting a shot. And it went just off Esposito's leg. They still keep it in. They're keeping that pressure on. Lachenko takes the shot. Backs up to the blue line. Cleared it to the corner. 
There's still zigzagging run. Here's a shot to score! Yashichev, standing on the side of the crease. Yashichev from Moscow. At 16.26 in the third, Gary Bergman was kicked twice by a Soviet player during a scuffle. Bergman would promise not to publicly berate the Soviet coach, Barbarov, over the matter in exchange for ensuring that the two referees for Game 7 were the same referees for Game 8. More on this later. With the score tied, Henderson skated into the Soviet zone at 17.54 and put a pass through the feet of a Soviet player, then skated around him and picked up the puck and went on a breakaway against Vladislav Tretiak. As he shot, he was tripped and Henderson went into the boards while the puck went into the net. The goal light lit up and then went off almost immediately. To ensure there was never any doubt about the goal going in, Team Canada rushed onto the ice to congratulate Henderson. Henderson going down, got to the defense, goes right on, going, scores! Henderson, right through the score for Canada! A beautiful goal by Paul Henderson. And he's being mobbed by his teammates, but this is an absolutely beautiful move by Henderson. And the goal judge was a little slow in putting the light on, but there's no question that puck was right up into the top and the back of the net, and Tretjak really had no chance on that quick little maneuver by Paul Henderson. Henderson would say of the goal that it was the one that gave him the most personal satisfaction ever, which is saying a lot considering what would happen in Game 8. Phil Esposito once again dominated on the ice, playing longer than most of the defensemen as he simply refused to come off the ice. Team Canada had won the game 4-3, and now it was time for the 8th game, with the series tied at 3, with one tie. Whoever won game 8 was going to be the champions. Even if there was a tie, the Soviets stated they would claim victory due to having a goal lead in the series at that point. For Team Canada, it was a win or nothing. Coach Sinden said that the 8th game might just be the most exciting game of hockey ever played, and he would not be far off. As Game 8 was about to start, the Soviets backed out of their agreement over the referees, wanting to have the German referees from Game 6 officiate the game. In response, Alan Eagleson threatened to pull Team Canada out of the last game entirely. Eventually a compromise was used, with one German referee from Game 6 and one referee from Game 7 handling the game. The Soviets then cancelled the pre-game ceremony, but restored it on the insistence of Team Canada as they brought a totem pole as a gift. Eagleson said, We're going to take this totem pole and bring it to center ice, and they'll have to take it or skate around it the whole game. Along with the 3,000 fans in Moscow, all of Canada was watching the game, with some estimates putting it at 90% of the country. Throughout the country, it was an unofficial half-day, and many students either watched the game in school or were sent home to watch it. Even the Montreal Stock Exchange reported a slow trading day as most of the traders were watching the game. Cab ranks in cities across the country were deserted as drivers were in taverns to watch the game. Construction barely happened, with most workers choosing to watch the game instead of work. And most people would simply say that on Thursday, September 28, 1972, Canada was closed. At Montreal Central Station, 5,000 people watched 10 television sets to see the game. The game was also broadcast on CBC and CTV, and in French on TV Radio Canada. It would become the most watched sporting event in Canadian history, a record that would last until the gold medal game of the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. As the game started, and after a few early penalties, the Soviets took the lead 1-0 early in the first period. After J.P. Parisi was called for interference, emotions boiled over, and he received a further penalty for banging his stick on the ice. 
When the misconduct penalty was given, Parisi raised his stick and nearly swung it at the referee, who gave him a match penalty. In response, Coach Sinden threw a chair on the ice. Due to this, many believe that the rest of the game was refereed fairly and capably. Bill Esposito out there with Parisi as the puck goes back to Mikulov. Maltsev takes his pass. He's knocked over by, and it'll be a penalty there to Canada. And just one penalty after another in this. Canada was able to prevent the Soviets from scoring on Parisi's penalty, and Phil Esposito scored to make it 1-1. The Soviets then moved up 2-1, but Brad Park scored his first goal of the series to tie for Canada, and the first period ended 2-2. The Gantoff is off for interference. Here's a pass back to Park, cleared on the right side to Ellis, right in front of the net for Phil Esposito, as Canada at full strength for a change. And the Soviet man short. Canadians having a chance. Here's a shot. Right on. Protection. It is. Bill Esposito knocked in the rebound. And the score is tied. Bill Esposito. And that times the score. Lachenko going into the corner. Played it back on the board. Go to Stagantov. A shot. Went wide. Harlamov getting it again on that far wing. Passing back to Lachenko, here's another shot, he scores! A long shot to the blue line. A pass to Gilbert, who couldn't get past center ice. Another try by Park, they're closing in, Rattel to Park, right in, he scores! Park from Rattel, and Canada tied it up. Park from Rattel for Canada. In the second, the Soviets were able to score three goals, including one 21 seconds in, and then a few minutes later to bring the score to 5-2. Before Canada was able to get closer with one more goal in the second to make it 5-3. It would have been 6-3 if not for Phil Esposito who stopped a puck from going over the goal line after Dryden missed it. In the second intermission, Sinden told his players to play defensively and not let the game get out of hand, to not gamble until they were closer to tying the game. Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally, and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Almost as soon as the third period started, Esposito scored to put the Canadians within one of tying the game. Tensions then began to rise in the arena, and soldiers were dispatched for security in the building. At the 10-minute mark, the Soviets began to play more defensively to save their lead, and Sinden saw this. He adjusted the play of Team Canada to press more, and this resulted in Yvonne Cormier scoring to tie the game 5-5. Park is trying to come out on the left side. A long pass to Phil Esposito going in. He shoots! Oh, right in front of the net. Esposito banged that. Here's another shot by Cormier. He scores! Canada has tied it up! With that goal, the referee signaled that it was a goal, but the goal judge refused to turn on the goal light. 
Alan Eagleson erupted over this and tried to reach over the timer's bench, but he was stopped by Soviet police, who began to take him to the nearest exit. At the same time, Canadian players headed over to confront the gold judge, with Peter Mahovlich jumping the boards to confront police who had Eagleson. Eagleson would say after, The next thing I knew, I was on my way to Siberia. The players were able to grab Eagleson and take him to their bench. While this was happening, 30 police began marching into the arena. Ambassador Robert Ford's wife was also apparently shoved with both hands during the incident. Next up on the far side, the Canadian team are mixing it up with the spectators, and I believe Alan Eagleson is in on it over there as far as we can tell. And uh, the Canadian team are all over there. When that rumpus started, whatever it was, nobody knows. But Canada tied that score at 12.56, and it appeared to be Cornwallier who got the goal. Eventually, things died down, even though Eagleson shook his fist at the Soviets and several Canadian supporters gave the finger to the Soviets. With the tie, the Soviets continued to play defensively, content with the tie due to the goal differential. With one minute left, Phil Esposito, Yvonne Cornoyer, and Peter Mahovlich were on the ice. Henderson called Mahovlich to come off the ice, and Henderson jumped over. He would say later he had a strange feeling he was about to score the winning goal. Bobby Clark was supposed to replace Esposito, but he refused to come off. With Esposito, Cornoyer, and Henderson on the ice, Canadian history was about to occur. Peter Mahovlich is at center, driving it into the Soviet zone. Liapkin. Gets there first, Cornoyer just touched it, and that's all, Savard. Getting it at center ice, clearing it off a skate. It goes into the Canadian zone. Yakushev, a dangerous player, is belted on that play. Cornoyer rolled it out. Vasiliev going back to get it. 102 left in the game. Cleared pass on the far side. The Yapkin rolled one to Savard. Savard. Cleared the pass to Stapleton. He cleared to the open wing to Cornoyer. Cornoyer took a shot. The defenseman fell over, Liapkin. And the Cornoyer has it on that wing. Here's a shot. Henderson made a wild stab for it and fell. Here's another shot right by the score. The picture of Henderson scoring as he is hugged by Cornoyer would become an iconic photo in Canadian history. And Henderson would forever be associated with the goal as millions of Canadians erupted in cheer. Fans in Toronto would even offer to buy him a car if he didn't receive an award for his heroics on the ice. After the game, Henderson said, It was the biggest thrill of my career to be named to this team. The next biggest thrill was to make the team. And now, three winning goals in a row? Who can believe it? Anticipating the flurry of people who would want to see Henderson, his family put a sign on their door stating there were no autographs left and they would not be answering the door anymore. 
Ken Dryden said of the win, This has to be bigger than the year we won the Stanley Cup and I won the Consmite Trophy. Bob Hughes of the Leader Post wrote, It wasn't a hockey game, it was insane. Canada's 6-5 victory over the Russians yesterday defied logic. It carried the unexpected as a partner and it overwhelmed you. You didn't have to be with those 3,000 frenzied Canadian fans in Moscow to grasp what happened yesterday on the sprawling ice surface of the Lenin Sports Palace. Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, who was in the midst of beginning an election campaign, said he was proud and happy that the team had won. He'd also send a telegram to Sindon congratulating him and the team on the victory in the series. Across the sky in Montreal, someone flew a light plane trailing a banner that said, Brave Team Canada. Parades erupted in Montreal and Toronto. Along Young Street, cars drove up and down the street with Canadian flags waving and the occupants of the car singing O Canada. In Ottawa, people waved flags that read Esposito for Pope and Esposito for Prime Minister. Victoria Mayor Peter Pollan, though, had a different assessment of the series and the game stating that the behavior of Team Canada was disgraceful and added that it gave the children of Canada their first lesson in violence and bad sportsmanship. He also reluctantly agreed to send a congratulatory telegram to Sindon. Even brand new Canadians though were caught up in the celebrations. Sundendra Dadani, who had just arrived from Kampala, was shocked by the outpouring of emotion and simply said she couldn't see how men could stand on the ice like that. Restaurants and bars did excellent business with many stating they had their best phone order day ever. And across Canada, it was considered the biggest party Canadians had thrown since VE Day in 1945. At the Soviet Embassy in Ottawa, hundreds of fans descended on the area and began to celebrate outside of the building. A huge welcome for the team was also planned, but I'll be looking at that in the next episode. The Soviets, of course, were unhappy with the outcome, which is understandable, and Soviet media would state that the Canadians had won using prohibited and permitted methods. The media would come out and simply say in several places that the Canadians had violated the rules to win. But not all would feel that way. Boris Kuligin, assistant coach of the Soviets, said, This is what happens when two great teams meet. We were not weaker than the Canadian team in this game. We lacked a little supporting luck. And while Henderson is seen as the hero of the series, it should be noted that Phil Esposito had a four-point game in Game 8, consisting of two goals and two assists. Esposito was also the only player on both teams to have four points in a game. The Victoria Times columnist wrote, For one completely dominating personality for Team Canada, Phil Esposito stands head and shoulders above all the rest. He has been the team leader right from the beginning. With the game over, Canada had won the series four games to three with one tie, and Canada would be happy that despite the rocky start, the team had come together, battled through adversity, and made Canada proud with their Summit Series win. Thank you for joining me on Canadian History X. Information from Maclean's Canadian Encyclopedia, NHL.com, Wikipedia, Ottawa, Citizen, Montreal Gazette, Edmonton Journal, Regional Letter, Post, Victoria, Times, Colonist, and the Vancouver Sun. This show is researched, produced, and written by me, Craig Baird, with the help of producer Dila Velasquez. Audio design and production by Rob Johnson. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help others find these amazing stories. And there are so many for you to sink your teeth into. And we love hearing from you. So if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com. And don't forget to stop by my website and social media. I've included all of those in my show notes. Until next time. I'm Craig Baird, and this is Canadian History X.